Welcome back. I've been absent a lot longer than you have. Sorry about that. Um, life happens. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. I have been going around living life and I uh, got a kitchen table. So that's new and exciting for me. Um, yes, sometimes we do the adult things too. We're going to start off with some things that I posted on Instagram that in general have been piquing my interest and I feel like sharing them with you for um, a few different reasons. Grim is already hearing me outside and is very upset that I'm not doing this with her next to me. So let me go grab her. This happens every single time. I swear to God. Okay, Grimmy. Yeah, better? Better? Good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, so she's with us now. Much better. At least we're, we're hoping it gets better. All right, so a couple of things have come up. Uh, let's go first off with the first topic I put on my Instagram and that is social media. I have noticed an uptick in the last couple of years of people talking to me personally or posting about on social media, which is honestly hilarious to me, about the negative effects of social media on their self-worth, on their physical appearance or their bodily autonomy, their the effects on um, their perceptions of who they are and or their mental health. So I asked in a kind of controlled study group on my Instagram followers how they felt about it. And it was about 50% of the people said that they don't necessarily feel like social media has ever benefited them. And yet they are the ones who are the most active on my social media and on social media platforms that I use. So they're obviously on it quite a bit, yet they acknowledge the fact that it's not good for them. Now, doesn't that just speak to this generation, our, our, our social media driven generation, that we acknowledge the fact that there are things in our life that probably shouldn't be there, and yet we are addicted to them. And so we just don't end it. It's the same thing that I see with people with vaping. Like you can present them with any amount of information on the harmful effects of vaping. And they're going to acknowledge it. Same with smoking with smokers. And they'll just acknowledge the fact that it exists, but continue to use the vice. And I wonder how far along down the road it's going to be before we hear about social media being categorized in the same venues as smoking cigarettes. I know right now it's probably on par with vaping, but like cigarettes are extremely harmful to your health, um, even in comparison to vaping. So I did this because I personally, <clears throat> so in regards to social media, so social media itself, uh, regardless of what you use, there are people who are cherry picking what they feel like benefits them the most out of the social media aspects. I personally have pretty much all of them, um, mostly because I have a very varied age group of my friends and I have friends from 
parts of the world that I'm not in. So I need that in order to stay connected to them. If I didn't have it, I don't know how connected I would be, to be honest with you. However, there is a social media platform I kind of have a love-hate relationship with, and every month I contemplate deleting, and that is Snapchat. Snapchat in and of itself is... At its core, it doesn't look like it could be detrimental. It seems like a very cool app to use to stay connected with people, to send video messages, and to have conversations. I have conversations with people, deep, insightful conversations with people on Snapchat all the time. Uh, it can be used for bad, obviously. there It does have that stigma around uh, people on dating apps and, um, you know, F-boys trying to use... Snapchat to get as many people on their roster or even just to like cheat on their girlfriends. Snapchat has that stigma because the videos and the text messages delete. And so it's like you immediately have no evidence. I don't necessarily have that hate relationship because of that, because I I do filter through who I keep on my social media. And if they start acting like an F-boy, I just delete them because they're not something that... (laughs) I need in my life, regardless of what app I use. I have a hard time with the status marks that Snapchat has. It's reminiscent of MySpace. I never had a MySpace, but I understand that on MySpace, you had your top like five friends and you would list them in order of who is your your bestie and who is in like your, your close circle and everyone could see it. And so they knew if they were in your circle and they also knew if they fell off your circle. And so it kind of perpetuated in the early days of social media, this idea of hierarchy (laughs) within someone's um, inner circle. And you could have like visual proof to show everyone where you stood with this person. With Snapchat, you have your best friend icons, which is a smiley face. You have your awkward face, Uh, emoji for if someone in your uh, friends, friend list or contact list, however, I don't know what you call it, friend list on Snapchat is, is a best friend with someone that you talk to. You have then on top of that, you have the heart emojis and the heart emojis go in the amount of time that you have been the bestie, the top best friend on Snapchat and communication. This is the person that you talk to the most, snap the most. And it's, I think it goes from like two weeks to um, over two weeks to several months and they grow and they progress that way. That can be so harmful to a person who has an anxious attachment style to go and see that perhaps this is the person you're dating or it's your best friend, however it is that you have this anxious um, interaction with, which is everyone, if you have an anxious attachment style, I don't know why I'm, I'm categorizing that. But this this heart emoji progression will give an anxious attached person a sense of fulfillment as it grows and progresses. And you, as an anxiously attached person, want to hold on to that. So if you fall off the top talked to person on that app with them and go back to just a best friend stage where it's just a smiley face because you can fall back into that stage. Oh, it's 
gut-wrenching. You feel so bad because you just lost that status with them. It's an arbitrary status. It's a status that the stupid app company came up with, but in your head it means something. You're the top person that they talk to. You have been the top person that they talk to for weeks, and now someone else has that status? Oh my God, what will you do? That is why I have a hard time with Snapchat. I don't want to feel like my status with someone or my place in their heart is at jeopardy because of the amount of days that they talk to me the most. And I feel like those heart emoji progressions really perpetuate that idea. And I don't like it. Then on top of that, if that wasn't bad enough, you also have the streak issue with Snapchat. If you have gone three days in a row talking to a person back and forth, you will get a fire emoji with a number count next to it. And the amount of days that you have talked to each other back and forth with a snap increases the number of days in that streak of talking to someone. And they will count every single day and the number will go up and up and up and up and the higher the number the more you want to keep up that streak so it's a good tactic for the app to keep business however i uh, see the downsides uh mental health wise because if you have not gone on a back and forth interaction with that person on this app a an hourglass that's spinning will pop up and anyone who has ever been anxious a spinning hourglass it doesn't matter what it signifies it's gonna make you anxious and I'm super like not in for that hourglass it makes me so fucking anxious oh I hate it so much but it's gonna count down to you have 24 hours to talk to this person or your streak is up and if it leaves then the then the fire goes away and all the days that you've had a streak gone there goes all your progress or quote-unquote progress in communicating with that person. That to a person who has an anxious attachment style is going to hurt them as well. So imagine a day where your streak falls off. Oh, there goes a huge blow to your self-esteem. Then a couple days later, you drop off their top talk to your hearts go away and now your smiley face. Oh, another huge blow. You're devastated because now not only do you not have a streak with this person, you've dropped down to just their best friend list with everyone else. Okay. <laughs> I find this concept to be harmful in its construction towards the idea of everyone if they were healthily attached, if they were securely attached. It is unadvisable in my opinion to be using snapchat in a dating relationship because of those two symbols it is going to add unnecessary strain and unnecessary status to your communications i don't like it and honestly it makes me anxious to use it however it is the valuable tool that i use to communicate with people who i don't live in the same state with and i'm able to have face-to-face conversations with them that are just like a step up from texting them and a step below calling them. And I like having that. So that's why I haven't deleted it yet. But there have been a couple of days where I have taken it off of my phone and I just didn't want to look at it because it made me anxious. That hourglass was making me anxious or I had fallen off someone's um, top 
spoken to heart emoji person list. And I didn't like it. And I had to take a step within myself to uh, develop a more secure approach to handling this. And I, I'm totally willing to, to give that advice to you. However, I'm going to say, I don't think that you should be on Snapchat if you see that hourglass spinning away and it makes you anxious. Get off. I, I think that's advice number one for you. Just get off. Advice number two for you is to have a conversation within yourself and with your self-regulating tactics and acknowledge the fact that some app company out there made this app with those symbols and attached a meaning to it. And that's all that means. It does not mean anything in regards to how the person that you're interacting with feels about you or the quality of your interaction. Take away the arbitrary meaning that they're trying to put on it and put your own meaning on it. And value the previous conversations, value the previous interactions you were having with that person that created those emojis on for that time. Don't lose the value of the past just because in the present, it's not there. So if you're going to continue to use Snapchat and you have those feelings, that's the second level. And that's what I've been working on is maintaining a healthy dialogue within myself and self-regulation and making sure that if something falls off, if a streak ends, to remember that my value with that person does not decrease just because those emojis disappear. Isn't that crazy? The fact that an emoji can have so much effect on someone's mental health, but it does. Another thing about Snapchat that, um, not so much for me anymore, but in the past has affected me in that snap count <laughs> and snap maps. Oh yeah. Checking people's locations. I don't support it. I do know of some people who can use it and for them it makes them feel safer and they use it as a safety tactic, but I can see the potential of people being upset because of it. And also it being used as a how do I say this without sounding accusatory? Using it as a petty weapon to punish someone. If you've had an established relationship with someone and you share each other's location and you turn off your location because you're mad at them one day, that's punishing them. Or if you are obsessively checking their location and they go to a place that you don't know and you immediately text them, where are you? I don't know where this place is. It's a bit much. It's a bit much. <laughs> um, so snaps, snap um, maps, I, I also feel like kind of uh, puts, a, um, what's the word I'm trying to say here? It puts unnecessary strain on a relationship that doesn't need to be there. And then snap count. So as you snap everyone on, on that app, not just one person, it shows the amount of times you have snapped ever. And that count goes up as you're snapping people. So if your boyfriend or the guy that you're seeing or your best friend left you on red, which is totally healthy and fine for someone to do it. It doesn't mean that you're status with them or that they're mad at you or anything like that. It just means they didn't text you back. That's all that that means now has meaning. Because their snaps going up, their snap count is going up, which means they're talking to other people. So they must be ignoring you. They must be mad at you. 
oh, they're now engaging in a, a better relationship with this person than they do with me because they would have talked to me. I should have been a priority. If I was a priority, they never would have left me on red and talked to these other people. You're putting meaning where it doesn't need to be. You're putting unhealthy connotation on something that's very innocent. So I have a hard time with checking people's snap counts as well. Okay, so my personal beef I have is with Snapchat. Other people have a really hard time with Facebook. Um, I actually put this out in the poll and I got an answer that their personal beef with social media has been with Facebook. They deleted Facebook because there was a lot of hate. There was a lot of I'm right, you're wrong and uh, political statements that were made uh, amongst their friends. And a lot of people don't have friends that share the same political views as others. And so when you are constantly being bombarded with opposing ideas to what you believe and you're associating it with your friend who has that political leaning, it creates a negative uh, perception of your friend. And so I, I understand the idea of not needing the negativity and the fights and the banter that comes on even with perfect strangers on Facebook. I have pulled back from Facebook a lot because of the same reasons. There are people that I love dearly that I don't follow. I say I keep them as my friend, but I don't follow them because I cannot deal with the way that they interact with their followers on Facebook. And I mainly just follow people that <laughs> that have Halloween accounts and Christmas accounts. And I see Halloween memes and funny quotes or Halloween decorations. And that's basically what I follow on Facebook now. I have mastered the filter effect of making sure that my, my algorithm is only showing me what I'm going to enjoy while I'm on there, which is what social media was initially made to do. It's supposed to be something that you enjoyed. It wasn't something that was supposed to be a, a contributor to your contention in your life. <laughs> if I wanted to see something political, I would go on to a news source. If I really wanted to have a fight with someone, I would uh, go to a bar or something. Like I don't need to be engaging in these unhealthy dialogues with people that I care about. So I, I do understand why they, they pulled back from Facebook. And I think there is a large statistic of people who are either refusing to pull back because they actually feel like they need to be the voice of justice uh, for their side in the argument. Uh, but honestly, I can't support that. If you're someone who's listening, I, I really do recommend that you pull way back from it because of my stance on things is you're never going to change anyone's mind about anything. And so arguing your point, I understand that you're trying to defend yourself and show that there is another way of looking at things, but it's never going to work on social media. They're never going to see your side and a healthy dialogue very, very rarely ever happens there. So I, I don't think that you need to be doing that. And I don't feel like your time is well spent doing that. So that, that's my thoughts on Facebook. Let's go on to TikTok. I had someone answer that the reason they left TikTok is because the amount of time that they realized was being sucked out of their day. Like, I wouldn't call it doom scrolling, but basically going into an abyss of just scrolling after video, after video, after video. TikTok sucks a lot of time out of your day because of the genius behind the algorithm in providing things that kind of how I filtered my Facebook into a 
a source of what I'm looking at, but you can create an algorithm for your for you page and who you follow on TikTok to show you a niche group of things that either make you laugh, educate you, uh, fill you with um, fulfillment in, and even um, find a kind, a kind of a community on TikTok. And that can take a lot of time away from your physical activities in your day. It can take time away from cleaning. It can take time away from friends or spouses. It has that potential. That's one side of it. Another person told me TikTok because because of the algorithm being so sensitive to what you are watching and what you're liking, if you're not in a good place, you can fall down a hole of things that are going to make you feel like you're so unhealthy. You can fall down mental health TikTok and like you're going to be like, oh my God, I have all of these things wrong with me. I do follow a lot of mental health people on TikTok, but I use it as a resource to kind of help me research and get different perspective on things. For me, I feel like it's not telling me so much. I'm a, I'm a person that needs to go and see a therapist. So going to therapy is actually what everyone needs. Surprise, I'm actually a huge supporter of all people on this earth seeing a brain doctor. Amazing. Um, but you can also go down the path of those people who do politicalize being like, I'm a Republican, change my mind or anything in that respect where people can come on and try to have those unhealthy conversations and then they go nowhere. The change my mind conversation goes nowhere. Or you got um, like the the new drama going on with um, what's his face um, Modern Warrior, where there there's like racial conversations going on, or even like minority issues going with on in that community that I'm not a part of. But you you can like accidentally see it on your for you page, and or there's just like really unhealthy, unhelpful, and negative things happening on that app that if you fall down into that algorithm, you're going to end up putting yourself in a mental state that's not beneficial and it's counterintuitive and you can feel crazy. You can feel like the world is at its worst. You're going to feel like um, all men suck. That's another part of TikTok, the all men suck part of TikTok or the those monogamous, not monogamous. Oh my God. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, the, um, you got the misogynistic people on TikTok that are perpetuating these ideas on how to get women and how all women are this, or, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been on TikTok, you've seen these guys and like the, the ones that see women as property or that they own who they're dating and like being on Instagram is cheating, like all those dialogues, like it is like it gets under your skin and you're like, oh my God, I hate this. If you don't control, did you guys hear my shoulder pop? Oh my God. This is why I go to the doctor. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Getting back on track. Uh, if you don't control your algorithm, if you don't control what you're liking and the amount of time you spend, and like I had to kind of uh, curate it a little bit as well for my own mental health away from some of these very negative perspectives on men and negative perspectives on women um, in order to make sure that when I spend time on TikTok, it's giving me cute kitten videos, funny videos about dating, um, videos about um, healthier ways to communicate with people helping people with anxious attachment styles and abandonment issues. I have a very special niche um, community that I have created for myself. So if you're not careful, you can end up feeding into the parts of your brain that you're trying to make healthier. 
why are you feeding that wolf? Why are you feeding the negative wolf in your brain when you could be feeding the positive wolf in your brain? I hope everyone understands the uh, story that I am relating to in this. It's a story that I feel like I've been told since like I was like, what, yay high. And it's, uh, I, I was told it was a Cherokee story. I don't actually know how fact checked that is, but it's the story of the two wolves inside of you and like the little boy's talking to his grandpa and the grandpa's like, there's two wolves inside of you and no one's going to win. And the little boy's like, who's going to win grandpa? And grandpa says, it's the wolf that you feed. There's like positive, negative wolf, good and the bad. So what are you feeding? What wolf are you feeding? Let's filter that. But if you don't want to, you don't have to be on TikTok. You're not required to be on any social media. So that's another one that I feel like I like it, but I also watch myself and I am mature enough to understand that these algorithms are within my control. So I don't let the app control me. Some people refuse to get Instagram. I have people that replied that they, they'll they never get an Instagram because they don't like the narcissistic tendencies that can be kind of perpetuated and encouraged on Instagram. It was intended to be a photo sharing app, right? So I can, I understand the uh, even um, the leading uh, psychologist in narcissism, uh, Dr. Romani, was very curious on the effects that social media would have on narcissists, people who are actually clinically like proven to be narcissistic people on that spectrum uh, would get oh, narcissistic supply from social media. So there are a higher level of narcissists who probably have a huge following and that following in and of itself on Instagram has put a lot of strain, especially on the youth. Uh, there was a very popular study that was put out by the owners of Facebook, I believe, and the owners of Instagram. I believe that's who, who did the study on how Instagram was affecting young girls' images of themselves and their body and their body image, their self-image, their mental health. And it all was a very negative thing because you curate your pictures on Instagram. You can Photoshop them. You can use filters and you cherry pick the best moments of your life to put on this app. And so you can go onto their profile and see all of these happy people who are healthy, young, smiling, going to concerts, feeling fulfilled in their relationships, have the perfect dog. And then you look at your life where you haven't done laundry in three weeks. You don't have the money to go on vacation and you can barely supply yourself with enough pizza rolls to get you through the weekend. And you can compare and be like, oh, my God, my life totally sucks compared to Tiffany and her perfect husband. Like it's it's not made to be a healthy platform. It is made to fulfill a level of a narcissistic supply for, in all of us because all of us have narcissistic tendencies. And if you're a healthy person, you acknowledge that within yourself and make sure you keep that in check. But that's what... Instagram is. I personally use it as a photo book of my life. I have kind of uh, tried to put more leaning on uh, using it as a career builder for my podcast. But even with that, I don't really care about the engagement because 
if I care about that too much, that's going to become a narcissistic supply for me and that's going to hurt my mental health. And so I try to limit it as much as possible. This actually, I, um, I think I talked a little bit about this in my liar episode about that euphoria drama I had earlier this year, hashtag you can get gaslit, you can be manipulated at any age and you should never feel bad about that. Just, um, even Dr. Romney was, um, caught in a narcissistic trap and she's, a the leading professional on narcissism. So like you can never uh, feel bad about making a friend with a narcissist because everyone does it. It's okay. You're fine. It's all right. I did it. But that narcissist that I was a friend with has a huge following of people on Instagram and she uses it to get money from people who notice that she's beautiful, even though she'll deny to her death that she's not beautiful. She, she knows she's gorgeous, which is why she curates her Instagram that way. She knows she is. Um, but it, it's easier to get narcissistic supply from saying, no, I'm not beautiful than to say, yeah, I'm beautiful. So it's a tactic. She is able to get money off of her beauty just existing on that app. That is the danger of Instagram is the narcissist using it for narcissistic supply, perpetuating this idea of perfectionist being perfect and having the ability to have a perfect life. And that affecting your mental health and looking down on yourself because you're the only one that knows the real, like the real nitty gritty parts of your life. Instagram's never going to show that. So I do know people personally who will never get Instagram because they don't see the benefits out of it. They share pictures on Facebook and that's where their friends are. And that's where they, they share fun memes. And so like Instagram doesn't really feed that need for them. And they do kind of feel like it's more narcissistic than it is, than Facebook is. Don't, don't get me wrong. Any social media has a level of narcissism, narcissism in it. Even Snapchat to a degree with the filters that they use, they have hundreds, if not millions of filters that are used to make you look better or more beautiful to a, um, standard of beauty, including, um, varied standards of beauty across cultures. There's, uh, filters in Korea that you would use that, uh, fit Korean beauty standards where there are filters you can use in America that fit American beauty standards. So it is a part of a narcissistic thing, honestly, social media in and of itself. So that's just one thing I want to talk about today. And we're already too far into that topic. The other thing I want to talk about today that uh, might turn into a part two of this conversation, depending on how long this uh, this conversation goes. Oh, good Lord. And that is the conversation on, are you making educated and unbiased conversations and posts on your social media and in your conversations with other people? Or are you limiting yourself to one source and not vetting that source in and of itself? for further proof and claiming that to be the truth. If you're a college graduate or if you are in college now, which is fine, it should be within our nature at this point to vet your sources and to create arguments on varied sources to limit the amount of bias that you're putting onto your conversations. This is something that I really wish that was brought 
more into focus in social media arguments, uh, more into focus into how we interact on a daily basis outside of college. I'm saying this because there was a podcast (laughs) that I was listening to and the person that they had on and a guest on this podcast, who is a dating professional, by the way. So this person writes books and has a blog and goes on these very popular podcasts and talks about dating. And she stated that men do not have oxytocin. Therefore, it's easier for them to do a casual sex relationship with someone because they don't get attached. I am pausing for dramatic effect (laughs) because who gave that person a platform to make such blatantly incorrect statements about a chemical that is in every person's body? All human beings have oxytocin. If men did not have oxytocin, they could not bond with their children. They could not bond with their spouse. They would have the inability to fall in love, true love, because the dopamine and serotonin and uh, vaxopressin are all great key sources in being able to fall in love without oxytocin, which is also known as the cuddle, uh, the cuddle hormone, the, the cuddle chemical, the cuddle chemical, I think is what it's kind of termed as you would not be able to create that bond with someone. This is found in all species. (laughs) Men have oxytocin. If they didn't, they literally would have zero relationships with anyone. There there would be no no man in love. There would be no man getting down on his knee and asking you to marry him. There would be none of that. So I don't know why there are professional people Saying this as fact and people listening, (laughs) vet your sources. This person does not know what they're talking about. And I came to the person who ran that podcast and I explained that they are perpetuating this very old school viewpoint on women, which is not only harmful to men and women, but it's wrong is the thing. It's like you're you're continuing this dialogue and being like, yeah, men don't have oxytocin. And so like we should like kind of throw them a bone for being fuckboys. No. Chemically, that's impossible. And we should not be throwing them a bone for not bonding with people. If they choose to do that and that's the way they live, okay. But we should not put a blanket term over all men saying, yeah, all men do that. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. And it's not something that is chemically bonded within them to do like I don't I what (laughs) I explained this and she said well we need to stop we need to normalize what she said we need to normalize uh not shooting people down for having a different opinion from us it's a chemical fact it's not a different opinion it's she literally is spewing out nonsense It's not a difference of opinion. Men have oxytocin. Yes, they have lower levels of oxytocin compared to women. And women do produce more um, after sex when they climax, which is why they're more cuddly after sex than men. However, men do produce a high level for their body types of oxytocin, which exists in their body when they climax. 
And that's how they bond to their partner. Like, am I, hello, is this thing on? Like, it, it, it should be common sense. So I actually ran this on my Instagram and I asked, hey, do you guys think men have oxytocin? Because am I the only one that has common sense anymore? I don't know. And about 50% of people said, no, they don't. So I am sure (laughs) that there is a school of people out there who have this belief that because women produce oxytocin and vasopressin when they give birth to the child and bond to it, and the fact that we have a higher level of oxytocin um, after sex and in, in general, that it's a it does have kind of the stigma of it being associated with women, but that does not mean men don't have it. Just like testosterone is associated with men, yet women have testosterone. We, we have it. Otherwise, we would never get sexually aroused. That has to go up in order for us to be sexually aroused. So though it's associated, we have it. Let's keep that in mind when we're talking about bodily chemicals. They are not robots. They're not a different, completely like alien being on our planet with different chemicals than us. They're still human beings. I'm confused. This And it's not a difference of opinion. Sorry. It's not. It's a chemical science fact. <laughs> okay. So I think I might be able to make this into one episode. All right. Great. I love to hear that. So the other thing that I did on my social media to kind of like weigh in on something that I'm very curious about is... Everyone knows that we're talking a lot about the female reproductive system. That is a huge topic um, on pretty much every social media site. It's in relation to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I see a lot of people making comments, which is fine, except for they're uneducated and they're not coming from a place of vetting their sources or cherry picking their sources to reflect a bias, which for argument's sake can work, but it does not help you to be uneducated, if that makes sense. And so I found through this conversation that a majority of people, including people who are married with children or just having children in general, both female and male, do not understand the female reproductive system. Not even the basics. And so I ran a poll on my Instagram asking the very basics. I'm talking like this is this should be like at ground zero of information that you have on the female reproductive system is do you know the four phases of the cycle? Like this explains why you ovulate and explains why you have a period. And also explains how you can know if you're pregnant. Like this is ground zero. No one except for one person out of that entire group could tell me that they knew the four cycles. And then I further asked, why, what, what starts the female period? If like, if we're really going to like say not knowing the four cycles are important, can you at least explain to me what happens that causes a period? And I gave a list and like, Unhelpful me, of course, I have to throw a joke in there. And one of the answers was the aliens, (laughs) which my closest friends all answered because they're they're a bunch of jokesters and I love them. But the other options were an egg passes, a hormone drop or 
your body senses there's no baby, which I will give the people who said body senses there's no baby kind of a bone because it's kind of related to what happens. But the fact that you anyone answered an egg passes tells me you don't know the difference between ovulation and menstruation. That's ground zero. You should know the difference between what those things are. Otherwise, what are we doing? If you don't know the basics, what are you doing? If you don't know how the uterus works, if you don't know that a period is caused by a hormone drop from a hormone elevation after your ovulation to protect any type of pregnancy that could have happened, then what are we doing here? You're arguing over something you don't even understand, even at its basic level. And I would give more credit to people having these conversations regardless of what what side you're on. I'm not even taking sides in this argument. I'm just saying be educated on how you talk about it. It would be a little bit more understanding to have such heated conversations if there weren't so many people who didn't even know what the fuck they're saying. That's just the problem I have with it. Do you even know what a pregnancy is? Do you know what an ectopic pregnancy is? Do you even know the procedures of an abortion? Or do you just hear the word and have a connotation associated to it? I'm curious. The scary part, beyond the fact of the people who have children and don't know what ovulation or menstruation really is, um is the people who are in charge of making laws in regard to it using false information. I saw this years ago when uh, there was a protest uh, being done in front of the Capitol in regards to the Plan B pill and calling it an abortion pill. Um, That tells me you don't understand chemicals. That tells me you don't understand medicine. That tells me you don't understand how pregnancy and ovulation work. And I'm very scared (laughs) that these are the people that that are getting up on the stand. I'm not saying that you need to change your stance on abortion. I'm saying be educated on what it is. Be educated on how reproduction works. That's all I ask. I'm tired of seeing uneducated people having a platform. It really kind it sucks because if they're going, if they're having a platform, if someone is giving them a stage and not vetting their information, That's the information that the majority of people are going to have. That men don't have oxytocin and so we should give them a card for acting like fuckboys. And this idea of plan B, which is a contraceptive, preventing ovulation is an abortion pill. You can't ovulate when you take plan B. Therefore, you cannot have an egg get implanted with any type of like there's there's no insemination if there's no egg like just educate yourself (laughs) okay so that is just like the main things that I kind of wanted to get off my chest today and I felt like um the past couple of weeks I've I've been absent so I've not been able to really do a lot of of conversation about this Oh, yes. I want to talk about something in in conclusion to all of the things I've been ranting about today. I love, I absolutely love educated people. I love professionals in their field and I love hearing them speak on the research that they've done. And I am so for you 
getting educated on what they specialize in. I think that's beautiful. In relation to what I was just talking about with people not vetting their sources, I do feel like you can be in danger of falling into a bias with only listening to one professional in that field and not doing multiple research. And the people who support Jordan Peterson and use him as a source of all knowledge kind of get under my skin. I love you for doing the research. Widen your breath a little bit. Nothing against him personally. He is conservative, so he does have a level of bias in what he says. And he also is a he's a psychologist, and I think he's very well educated, and he has a lot of great things that I agree with. But we must remember he's also human. We must remember that he is not the be-all, end-all of his field. He's great. He's a great source to use to gain a level of understanding and to gain some education from him. Um, But I have been running into a lot of people who are kind of using his arguments as the one source, all information. And as much as I appreciate his work and how as much as I will keep an open mind when I listen to him, I have noticed he has a very strong bias against women. He has a very strong bias on how women act and he does not operate in a level to give, um, for both men and women, operate any level of variant in the way that he speaks. And it it works towards the um, type of psychology that he is in to make very black and white statements. This is this and this is that to make his arguments. But because of that, it does worry me that those who are not in his field might take that as blanket statements for everyone and, and take it as truth because of his level of education. So that's just my my two cents on that is even in this podcast, I will have bias and I'm going to be the first to explain that. However, I try my best to do as much research, unbiased research, and try to get as many sources before I make statements about anything that I feel like is worth saying. I feel like anyone who is um, more well established in the podcast world would probably try to deter me from saying this, but I am not the professional. I am just a well-educated person who does the research and wants to talk about these things and present my own ideas into the world and present my own thoughts and work and things that have worked for me. I'm not trying to say I am God, I know all, and that my opinion is the only one you need. And I would try to discourage anyone else from falling into that pitfall, if I can say anything about it. And I hope you can trust me when I say I try not to allow my bias to dictate how much research I do on things. And so you can trust when I say things that I'm coming from an educated background and I've vetted my sources. Now, there are going to be episodes where I'm trying something out from a single person because I find their approach interesting. I hope that you would not take that as this is the only way to approach things and this is the only way to think or the healthiest way to think. I do think it provides a healthy pathway, but it doesn't mean it's the only one. 
I would love to hear more from everyone that listens. Please do follow me on my social medias that are super unhealthy for us to be using and probably will be um, a source of ridicule in our very, very far future where people are going to look back and say, wow, why were we doing that? But it's where I engage with you and I'm excited to do it. If you're enjoying uh, this journey that I'm taking with you in regards to being a better person, please do follow, rate, share, and just kind of engage with me any way you would like. I do watch and I do see everyone that listens and engages with me. And it means a lot to take this journey with you and to um, have this conversation. And I hope that today I provided with you um, some break from feeling like you're alone in the world or that no one's listening or no one cares because I do maybe a little too much. (laughs) Great. I made it under the time limit. I was hoping for this episode. Okay. So I'm going to let you guys go and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you soon. I'm not going to promise next week or anything like that. Um, mostly just because for my own mental health right now, having a set schedule for this podcast has brought down quality of my podcast. And I don't want that anymore. So I will be seeing you soon. I hope. Enjoy your day.